You can listen to The Professional Left wherever you get your podcasts, on Netroots Radio, or at our website, proleftpod.com, where you can also contribute to this podcast. There's a PayPal button at our website, or you can mail us a letter and or contribution at P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. This is the podcast for January 28th, 2022. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from the Cornfield Resistance, where the Lincoln Day Banquet featuring John Meacham has been postponed until June due to COVID. It's The Professional Left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal. Hi, everybody. That's very, very local news. It is. Super local. Yeah. Well, what, you want some more local news? Sure. Uh, from our local paper, we learned that John Meacham's mother is a former Springfield resident and is married to the very Reverend Robert Brody, who is the former dean of the Cathedral Church of St. Paul Episcopal in Springfield. So, you know, we've got that going for us. John Meacham's mother's husband. <laughs> and and she is a former Spring because everything is, you know, as we discussed last week, you got to localize it. You, you got to localize it. If you don't localize it, and and... What a wonderful reason for John Meacham to come to Springfield and give the Lincoln Day Banquet. Except is his that mom, a, is that a partisan thing? I don't. I don't think so. I think that's a historical lecture. I, I think so. I and, believe. And neither his mother nor his uh, father or stepfather uh, live in Springfield anymore. Right. So um, it's it's formerly former. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's mm-hmm. a former Springfield resident. Although you never really leave, as, as we've learned. <laughs> I thought it was that your furniture remained stuck in the 1970s if you yeah, were in well, Springfield. But it's 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 mandatory. That's we, we, we joke that the first question you get on any job interview for any job in of any importance in Springfield is what year did you graduate from Lanfair High School? Right. <clears throat> and that's there's a whole lot of truth in that. If you're there looking really for is. if you're looking for kind of any kind of work of an influential nature, um, you better be you born better here have or gone born to here. high school here or yeah. 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 And, and, and some of that is just kind of cloistering. Yeah, it is. It and is. I, and many of the people I know who, who I like and, and do perfectly good work, uh, you sort of step back and I stayed quiet because I, I had to figure out, Oh, Oh, your mom is married to his dad. And his mm-hmm. cousin runs that organization. And mm-hmm. oh, oh, it's just a bunch of families. It's the five yeah. families. It's, it's the actually, five families of Springfield. It's more than that, yeah. but it's not a lot more than that. Yeah. And it's, you know. Small town. Small town. 110,000 people. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, they're talking about getting a bathroom downtown, which is pretty exciting. <laughs> they are. A public yeah. washroom. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of debate about the public washroom uh, downtown. It's a high time, I think. There's a public restroom downtown. Uh Local businesses well, support it, but you know, it's a big, big it, it, controversial. There might interest. be illegals using it. Is yeah. the problem? Well, you know, <laughs> you know, that's the, it. Might it might welcome illegal immigration, and we don't want that. Well, we'll just we'll just say a bad element. <laughs> we don't want a bad element downtown. When, we like I, legal bathroom use, right? But when when I um when I first moved here um. And this conversation has never stopped happening. It's mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's homeless people have panhandlers and parking and yeah. police downtown, especially you know, every other area is like, you know, whatever downtown. And I kept scratching my head going, what, what panhandlers? Oh, you mean those two guys? Two guys. Yeah. You, you know, it's like 
I I worked in the loop. <laughs> I lived yeah. in Chicago. I'm like, what are you talking about? What parking lot are you talking where? about? The seven people that you yeah. see downtown. In same front seven of, guys. Same seven people. Yeah, yeah. it's not a parking problem. You mean you had to park a block away from the bar to get there? Oh no! Oh yeah. no! And it but was free. And, and it, was, it free. was free to park yeah. because it's after five. It's free downtown. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Apparently it's yeah. a very big, you know, it's there's it's a lot of concern. Well, I just knew I was in a different part of the world when the former mayor. Yes. You know, in the summer concert series said the concerts had to be over by 930. 930. People, because are people got to sleep. People are trying to on sleep. On Saturday anymore. night in July. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's still light out at 915. Okay. <laughs> Well, he's out there catching fireflies on his lawn. You uh-huh, know, uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. And watching with... for the streetlight to go on because yeah. that's fun. <laughs> it's um, it, it's it was described to we me. We love it here. I don't we... want to say anything. We we're just making comments because we you know this is where we but this is where we live and we this choose we live. to live here because we love it. So and there is a there is a vibrant, tiny liberal community in this town, and we and, know all and of a, them. And a Intense arts community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Music, choral music, theater. Uh, hey, we got you know. Frank Lloyd Wright House. We got Lincoln's Tomb. We got all. We've kinds got of stuff. all the Lincoln you could possibly want. Yeah, more Lincoln, <laughs> more Lincoln than you ever knew you needed. Yep, exactly. Uh, no, I think so, John Meacham got invited to this thing because he wrote a biography or whatever. Andrew about Jackson Lincoln. is his new book, so I think yeah. he's. I think they're doing like presidents of the nineteenth century yeah. kind and of he's, thing. He's also, I believe, I, I I hate that I know this much about John Meacham because I don't mm-hmm. really like John Meacham. He's just kind of a pious, you know, back in the good old days when Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill would get drunk mm-hmm. and fondle each other. America was a America was a much like God damn man. But I think he was George H. W. Bush's biographer too. Oh, okay, you know, okay. and uh, just you know, if if I could, if I was forced to trade. I would trade the politics we have now for the politics that John Meacham fondly remembers Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the knowledge that the politics John Meacham fondly remembers was on a straight downhill path to the politics we have now. To the politics of today. Exactly. Exactly. It is is a little twilight zone because it's Mm -hmm. how far back do you have to go to stop what we're living through now? Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're always that guy in the twilight zone. Who's trying to warn Lincoln not to go to the play? Right. Don't yeah. get on the Titanic. And we always fail because you can't change that. And it is getting me personally, speaking only for me, exhausting being that guy over and over. Well, it's it's the curse of Cassandra. Yeah. Would you yeah. rather not know the future? Would you rather not be able to predict what's going to happen mm-hmm. and be innocent and happy? Oh, and man. and Whatever you say is is sort of accepted by the people around you, but instead, you know what's going to happen. I tell you what, make me that offer December twenty twenty two, and we'll. we'll talk. <laughs> How's that? Well, and and that's the thing. We we got to keep our uh, spirits up, and it's kind of hard these days because you know the whole week since since yesterday when we found out that uh, we're going that Even Justice Breyer, Breyer is mm-hmm. stepping down. And yeah. the immediate response from the mainstream media was liberals forced him to do it. Right. Which is BS. Right. Well. <laughs> it's as if it's as if this 83-year-old man who's clearly fully cognizant of who he is yeah. 
and what his position on the court is and what he what needs to happen and who Mitch McConnell is and all of that mm-hmm. made a decision. He did. <laughs> and based on all, everything he knows. And uh, he wasn't forced by anybody to do anything. No. Um, well, you don't you don't force a Supreme Court. You bribe you them. I, I'm pretty sure <laughs> I that I think that's happened. Yes. Donald Trump has bribed at least one person to yeah. get off the court so he yeah. can make an appointment. But because um, that was sudden and unexpected and, oh, yeah. okay, um, to, so we can install a fine young cannibal on the court who'll be there for the next 30 years. Right. But right. Um, it's it's just, uh, th- there are, I mean, there are people out there trying really hard to um, keep spirits up. And I, mm-hmm. I, I try to be one of them. I fail more than I succeed sometimes, I realize. But, I mean, the people publishing, you know, here's all that Joe Biden and the Democrats have accomplished in one year. Yeah. And it's a pretty impressive fucking list we're over six percent growth annually yeah. for 2021 yeah well and, and just you know what's what has been passed and how many lives saved and how much yeah. damage has been done and how much has mm-hmm. been pushed through mm-hmm. and how much you know how much this the the courts have been changed forever by the rate of of approval of judges right i just there's a lot of things to be spirited about and it is just a matter we keep stubbing our toe on two assholes, one from West Virginia and one from Arizona, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. they're they're in charge of stopping everything. And it's I get when people get really frustrated with the Democrats, um, but it isn't the Democrats. Mm-hmm. It's two of them. It's it's it is literally what four percent of the Democrats in Congress. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and, and I'm I'm kind of tired of people cl- claiming that mm-hmm. well. There's a whole bunch of Democrats hiding behind those two Democrats. Yeah. And it's like, well, if they're hiding, then they're probably still going to vote the right way because they don't want to be the ones who are voting no. Because we just their president. We just had a vote and all but two voted. Yeah. In favor of. Right. All but two voted in favor of yanking back the filibuster, carving out a little bit of the filibuster. All but two. So but there is just this cottage industry. Mm-hmm. Of mm-hmm. and I and you and I both know where it comes from, and I think we're pretty clear about what the motives are, and that it's just it's it's hard to lean into that that hurricane of bullshit mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. your little flag of hope, going. You know this this giant hurricane of bullshit is being generated by a relatively small group of people mm-hmm. with an enormous megaphone and a shit ton of money, mm-hmm. and it seems unstoppable because. You have 70 million, you know, reprogrammable meatheads who will just do anything Sean Handy tells them to do. Mm-hmm. And then you mm-hmm. have people in the middle screaming that Democrats need to punch hippies if they want to win. If they right. stomp on the base if they want to win. And between them, that's – it seems formidable. But there still are a whole lot more of us than there are of them. Well, and let's not forget who the president is. And he's yeah. made some really strong signals this week. We're going to talk about this. Well, go ahead. Yeah. That he's not taking the bullshit. No. No. <laughs> Uh, All right. So we've mentioned that there's upcoming vacant SCOTUS seat and Joe Biden has told everyone he's going to keep his promise. He's going to nominate a black woman. She's going to be young. She's going to be progressive. And she may make decisions that are a surprise to and might disappoint us. We always know that when you appoint a uh, SCOTUS judge for life. They can surprise you and and disappoint you from time to time. <laughs> Just ask Nixon, man. Yeah, yeah. So Earl Warren, worst mistake I ever. Well, made. and this is why the Heri- yeah. This is why the um, not the Heritage Foundation, the other one, the Federalist Federalist Society, 
decided, okay, we're just going to pick them off the tree from now on. Yeah. You know, we're going to grow Supreme Court justices who vote the way we want them to yeah. vote. We're going to we're going to grow them in a in a tank and mm-hmm. decamp them. Pay as for needed. their pay for their education mm-hmm. and and grow them so that when you pick them we know how they'll vote and there will be no surprises, we hope. Um even then, you're in a lifetime appointment and you can in that environment where you are with other Supreme Court justices change your mind. You can do that. The immediate reaction um, from Mr. Charlie Sykes mm-hmm. on the announcement that uh, Joseph Robinette Biden was going to appoint a black woman, because that's mm-hmm. what he promised, that's what he ran on, that's what he's going to do, mm-hmm. was that basically this shuts the door to a generation of young progressive jurists. It just tells them they have no future. And first of all, Charlie Sykes pretending he gives a shit about young progressive jurists. Yeah. Is right. fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah. And he said it, it disqualifies the future Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That's right. From being on the court. No, there is one opening at this moment, Charlie. Yeah. And there might be future openings, and then things will be different then if your party doesn't fucking steal them. Uh-huh. Um, right. And secondly, <laughs> um, I, I, I have my deep issues with uh, Tom Nichols. And uh, I'm not going to give up on any of them because he's a an angry old lady who yells at everyone about everything all the time um, and thinks I'm a moron, thinks liberals are morons. But he did some How did way- Tom Nichols – I'm sorry. How did Tom Nichols get to where he is? What he, is he, his he taught qualifications? At war, he taught at the War College, uh-huh. um, He, which is hilarious to me. He taught people like you know advanced threat assessment even as his party was turning into a fascist party in front of him and him not noticing it. And he's been on Jeopardy. He was a Jeopardy winner five times, I think. And he, he wrote first like foreign policy or something or other. And, um, you know, he's, he's just one of those guys who Mm -hmm. got, you know, his, well, look, Tom Nichols says thus and so. And they needed, they needed a bunch of people to stand in the breach between, uh, to say we never saw it coming. There's no Republican. We you couldn't have seen it coming. It isn't our fault. And liberals are still idiots, and we need them to steer their party in the direction of Mitt Romney 2014, right? right. Um, to save the republic. Mm-hmm. And liberals mm-hmm. are idiots, and liberals are morons, and liberals are scum. And he's he's that guy, and he doesn't give a shit. He blocks everyone on Twitter who disagrees with him. But in this one case, he weighed into it and said, "Uh, Charlie, here's the thing. Remember when?" Ronald Reagan promised to appoint a woman, mm-hmm. ran on it, did it. Remember that? Remember when he did that? Because I don't see any difference between Ronald Reagan promising, I will appoint a Supreme Court, a woman to the Supreme Court, and Joe Biden saying, I'll appoint a black woman to the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And that really made Charlie Sex upset. And I watched them kind of. Reagan. <laughs> yeah, because it was talk Reagan. about Reagan in that way. Yes. Yeah. Right. But right. Um, between cancel the two. Cancel culture. Of, yeah, oh. Oh, I'm sorry. Cancel culture. Yes. We're getting back to cancel culture. Um, I think as 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 words are my business, um, there needs to be an antonym for the word cancel culture. Um, mm-hmm. I had suggested shelter culture. Um, something to describe organizational cultures, which don't cancel people. Instead, they actively protect smarmy, always wrong hacks who definitely would have been sacked for complete incompetence long ago if they worked in any other business. Um, my favorite is my own, which is clutched pearl clutching culture. 
which I admit <laughs> is hard to say, but you got to admit it's clever. So clutched pearl clutching. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I said that wrong. See, this that's how hard it is. I, I've invented a phrase <laughs> even I can't say. Cultured pearl clutching culture, which uses the word culture twice, which is unbearably clever of me. Um, cloister <laughs> culture has been suggested. Um, connected to this, the pearl clutching culture is also when a failed political philosophy turns to M&M's and Minnie Mouse's pantsuit mm-hmm. to distract their viewers from the criminal investigations their favorite president is facing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And there really is this, this, uh, and I'll talk about it in greater depth later, but this just hysteria mm-hmm. over, over something that just isn't terribly important and doesn't influence much of anything because there's a big group of people, a small group of people with a big megaphone who need the, the issue to not be them. Right. And it has to be both sides. It has, the liberals have to be do, doing something equally heinous to the Republicans for us in the middle to keep pretending that there is a middle and that it's the place to be. And there's lots of us here. Um, now you pointed out that Biden has signaled to his base that, uh, he's kind of with us. He's He's kind of with us. He's really been signaling a lot to his base that he's kind of with us, not just with the Supreme court choice, but, um, the, the, uh, Peter Ducey situation of, calling him a stupid son of a bitch. What a stupid son of a bitch. And you you made me watch some West Wing this week. I did. Class. I did. I'm sorry to do that, but you know how he I doesn't, do. He's not allowed to do that very often. In fact, no. we, <laughs> we have a rule. When, when, when YouTube then started another, after you showed me that clip, yeah. YouTube started another West Wing clip. And I just about lost it with you. Stop, said, stop it. <laughs> you stop said, it. Give me nine seconds to stop the YouTube. Yeah. Stop it now. Stop it. Ears, her, her ears are bleeding. And, and then, and then we had to say, we're, we're not mad at each other. It's no. okay. No, our marriage just, is, is fine. Uh, are we, are we still going to be married tomorrow? <laughs> God damn you, to Aaron, me. Aaron, I want to so, still want to be married to you. Was what he you. said to me. Fuck you, Aaron Sorkin. We both hate you. You've ruined our marriage, just like you ruined Lucy and Desi's marriage. Yeah, yeah, um, no. And no. and you said, I want, still want to be married to you. And I said, oh, of course we're still going to be married. It's just that at this hour of the evening, when I was dealing with some indigestion as well, all of a sudden here comes more West Wing from YouTube. Yes. So but, to calm to calm clip, your stomach, but, I, I will say to calm your stomach. Yeah, I broke out Ayn Rand and began reading <laughs> passages from Atlas Shrugged. The old, which, the old, you know, temper toner Ayn yeah, Rand's yeah, unpub- previously unpublished works. Yeah. Well, it, I figured I'll make such a distracting, painful thing <laughs> that the relative pain of West Wing will seem delightful in comparison. And long time, long, long, long time listeners of this podcast will re- recall. Yes. We are in the season of what we call Annika. Yes. I, I guess I can say that because yes. people yes. know who youngest child is. The Her, her birthday is... Uh, Coming up. Yes. It's, it's two months after Christmas. And right. so the day after Christmas, we start the season of Annika. Right. Which is prepping for her birthday. <laughs> which is which is peppered with constant reminders of the countdown clock to my birthday. To my birthday. You, you know, know, my, my birthday is coming only, up. It's only a month and a half. And it's only a month from now. You know, it's only three weeks from now. So it was mm-hmm. the night after, the that evening after her birthday, mm-hmm. on the day of her birthday, when I'm lying down exhausted because 
I'm it good. was a very full day when she, I mm-hmm. think she was eight or nine. Yeah. You know, and that's a time when mother, this year she wants money and she wants yeah. to drive to St. Louis to shop with right. her friend and goodbye mom. <laughs> so it's going to be a much easier time. The difference between nine and 19 is quite huge. But yes, when she was nine and Driftglass decided to read to me. I'm going to read to you from Ayn Rand. Let me read to you now from Ayn Rand's and unpublished book. And I said, no, <laughs> no, you are not. You are mm-hmm. not going to, I am going to fall into a coma now. Mm-hmm. But uh, Drift Glass did play a clip from the West Wing. I did. Which was President Bartlett uh-huh. using a uh, gun reference about his opponent, a 22 caliber mind in a what it was it a, a three fifty seven world calling him stupid magnum calling him world stupid. right yeah it, you know and uh, it was hot mic moment you know oh no the mic yeah. was hot oh no oh no and then uh, his press secretary later in the show says you knew that mic was hot because you don't Didn't use you? gun references ever yeah and you were and- totally knew exactly who you were talking to and exactly mm-hmm. who's going to hear that a certain way. Mm-hmm. Good going, sir. You know, yeah. good going, Mr. President. Oh, that was old school, sir. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that yeah. was old school. And here's Biden at a press briefing. Yeah. You know, sitting. <laughs> he didn't move. He didn't turn off his microphone. The microphone no. was right there. And here is Peter Ducey saying, in, is inflation going to be bad for the midterms? What do you think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it was a stupid question. Yeah, well, all of his questions are stupid. And Jen yeah. Psaki, he exists to give Jen Psaki something to punch. She's yeah. he's like her, um, Alan Combs. Yeah, he's right, he's right. there to say yeah. the dumb thing so she can punch him in the face, and that's she does a great a, job. That's a good flipping of the script too, because that that's a Fox News creation. It is, and it is. and. When then, when Biden called Peter Ducey and said nothing personal, pal, yeah, that to me was just a, a sure sign of, yeah, it is nothing personal. You're an idiot and you were hired yeah. by Fox, and Fox is bullshit, right? And I'm going to say that to my base so that they know I'm on their side, yeah. The the the, the, the complete phrase. Mm-hmm. From the Godfather lexicon is it's nothing personal. It's just business. It's just business. This was just business. I ha- yeah. Peter Ducey is just a big turd sitting there waiting for someone to kick Punching him in the balls. Punching bag turd, and, yeah. You know, and, and he deserves every bit of it. He yep. deserves zero. No one from Fox News deserves the respect you would accord to even the lowliest journalist. Yep. Because they're not journalists. They're a, yep. they're a, a fifth column propaganda chop shop set up in the middle of our democracy designed to tear the democracy to bits so they can right. rule over the rubble. That's and what they do. For money and a career in television, yeah. they've sold their souls. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and so, I do wanna... So I do think Biden is signaling to people, yeah. I'm I'm going to please the Democratic base because I'm a Democrat. We talked about that last week. Uh-huh. So talk to me about red letter media, because you watch a lot of that. I do I I, I get on these jags. I watch a lot of gun smoke and then I compare everything to gun smoke. And I eat a lot of popsicles and I think, you know, it's be good right now, popsicle. <laughs> um, and I, I've been watching some of the old red letter media um, reviews. And these are the guys who did the uh, Star Wars, famous Star Wars review. So fantastic. Um, so s- fantastic. Nine videos, whatever it was, four hours of breaking down um, the Phantom Menace. This is why it failed. <laughs> and 
And, and you it, think you won't sit and watch four 45-minute videos on the Phantom Menace. No, they're, but they're genius. But you will. They're fucking genius. You and they, will. And and they're interspersed <laughs> with this subplot of, you know, the, the guy who's telling you this is a psychopath who's murdering people in his basement. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I – it's fine. You know, that's, it's fine. That's, that's your – because this is a it's a little TV show with with guys from Milwaukee who are film guys, um, but they were talking about um, the Blumhouse model, and the Blumhouse production company um, is a company that makes money by producing a ton of cheap, forgettable shit, all for under like five to seven million dollars, hmm. um, and and their theory was that the business model of Blumhouse is is that. Their job is to keep Hulu's movie library stocked with like, relatively new stuff. With with stuff, if anything yeah. titled, and yeah. and just like and then compared to a buffet line, if you go to a Quentin Tarantino movie, you're going to a five star restaurant. You know what you're going to get. You're going to pay for it. It's going to be really good. You're going to enjoy it. It's going to be everything you thought it was, or you know whatever. It'd be worth discussing. It'll be an experience. This is just chocolate pudding and. Chicken fingers and mm-hmm. steamed broccoli and other it's brown shit yeah. laid yeah. out in a buffet line under heat lamps. Hmm. And their hmm. job is to just keep that shit stocked because they produce marginally edible shit, but lots of it. And all of their stuff is introduced as from the producers of one or two pretty successful movies you may have heard of. And the guys do go through like 15 of their shitty movies, all of which are introduced as these are the people that produced a couple, three movies you probably heard of mm-hmm. because they made, you know, three or four movies that you probably heard of. You might've seen, I didn't see any of them like happy death day, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. things like that. Horror movies, you know, cut them up movies that made a lot of money that had an audience. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Oh, Oh, these guys, well, maybe it's good. Maybe I'll watch it. And what Hulu is paying for is the illusion of scale and prestige. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of stuff on their shelves and I'm, I'm convinced that that's what both sides media moguls, people who pay money to keep people like Tom Friedman and and David Brooks and their ilk employed are doing. They're mm-hmm. paying for mm-hmm. the illusion of scale and relevance. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. and I think I said to you yesterday, you know, at the at the Rolling Stones concert, um, they don't give a shit for the about the people who are in the balcony. That show is being put on for the people who are paying $10,000 for the front row seats. Mm-hmm. And the reason the New York Times op-ed page exists is for the small number of rich New York assholes who want to believe that there's a middle ground, there's a center ground, there's a centrist ground who are all friends with the Schulzberger family and all want to share in the same fantasy. And they, they never go out. They never talk to actual people. They never deal with the real world. These are all CEOs and college presidents, and they really, really want to believe that the real problem with the country is that both sides, the extremes on both sides, won't listen to them, won't listen to Larry Summers, you know, and that's the problem with the country. And they're willing to pay a lot of really second, third, and fourth tier hacks to crank out both sides do it, both sides are bad, look out for both sides, ooh, look at the woke liberals, ooh, my God, look at cancel culture over here, just to keep the illusion going. Mm-hmm. And they crank out a lot of it because if they crank out a lot of it, they can say, look, average people are are in favor of this stuff. Look at all the stuff out there that proves that normal average people like you and I mm-hmm. um, are, are turned off by the extremes on both sides. And 
we should all gather in the center where Tom Friedman is. Mm -hmm. And there is no center. (laughs) There just isn't. And the fact that this tiny group of rich, cloistered idiots keep insisting that there must be and keep funding um, no labels and keep funding the New York Times op-ed page and keep, keep meet the press on the air when it should have been canceled 20 years ago is evidence that there's some force at work that has nothing to do with the actual size of the audience or the actual message they're, they're being, the audience is being told because that's all bullshit. Yeah. It must be that we're satisfying the fetish of a small group of wealthy people who want to look at the TV and the radio and the newspaper and the internet and see their, their weird fetish reflected back to them as normal. Mm-hmm. We're the normal people. And the rest mm-hmm. of you assholes out there are, are crazy. And the problem with that is it plays directly into the conservatives' hands. Mm. Because every time th- the conservative right takes another step into outright fascism, the centrists need to find some reason why liberals are just as bad. <laughs> and that's why they keep, you know, Brett Stevens and David Brooks and Tom Friedman employed at the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And just and I think multiple- there's, I th- oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Please, no, go ahead. I think there's also a, I mean, that's sort of the macro story. Mm-hmm. The micro story of that is these very wealthy, insulated white men, mm-hmm. you know, work. First of all, if they ever show up in the office, I'm surprised. They <laughs> yeah. work in their multi-million dollar mansions and type and send it in. And if they need any contact with the office, an intern drives over and picks up what needs to be picked up and drops mm-hmm. off whatever needs to be dropped off. And that's that I think is my point is that micro story is, you know, the the C class of people who who David Brooks talks to on the Acelic trains and so mm-hmm. forth. All of those white men have unlimited immigrants to deliver their lunch to their secretaries. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Mm -hmm. And so they don't have to interact with New York City, you know, the real New York City. Right. But they derive all of the benefits of living in a very blue, very diverse, very uh, open. World city. Blue city. Yeah. Yeah. Solid blue city. Mm -hmm. And that connects exactly to what we're dealing with this week in watching Sarah Palin eat out right. with COVID. Right. You know, she's having $17 soup with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and totally some positive. New York Just... Rangers DJ, you know, some some hockey player, retired hockey player, um, waiting to sue the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And and she's test she apparently tested positive on Monday for COVID. Mm-hmm. And went out and, and went out with her, her boy, with her new boyfriend. Lied about and her status friend. and yeah, because yeah. she wanted to do the New York thing, right? And, right. And, and they want they want places like New York to be there so they can visit them and enjoy all the culture and the and diversity spend their and money. Things. Yeah. And then they want to go home and bitch about the coastal elites who, who right. look down exactly. on them because exactly. they're yeah. you know inbred hicks, right? Um, which is still true. It it, it is. It is that level of domination. And, and because they're paying for bulk, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. will they will uptake anybody who is willing to sort of play in that ballpark. Um, you know, Keith Olbermann pointed out, uh, we'll, we'll quote him more directly later, but Keith Olbermann pointed out that MSNBC is, uh, is, is, has given another hour to Joe Scarborough. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. because they they really that's who they are. They they're going right back to their let's find the middle, let's appeal to conservatives. We don't want to be appear too far left because that's crazy, right? And and so anyone who's willing to straddle those worlds, uh, that's why the entire staff of the defunct Weekly Standard was immediately. Um, recreated in the form of the bulwark mm-hmm. with a millions million dollar donors and were immediately appended, basically bolted onto the MSNBC structure right. and given a shit ton of airtime because they're willing to go out and say, yeah, Donald Trump sucks. Donald Trump, it wasn't our fault. We didn't do it. That, and that's their weird, way out. That's, that's the, re- the Republican Party's way out is they'll just blame Trump yeah. and it was never us and we're back. And here, sane Republicans are now going to run the country again. And but, so they'll elect Tom Cotton president. Right. But but what has what has become of um, the people, all of those Bush regime dead enders, mm-hmm. um, the Steve Schmitz and the, the Rick Wilsons and the Charlie Sykes and all, all the rest of them, uh, Tom, the, the Tom Nichols, um, spend about 80 percent of their time bitching about Democrats, scolding Democrats, scolding Democrats, mm-hmm. warning Democrats. We're doomed if you're not going to do what we tell you to do. These are people who swear again, just sort of tie this all up in a big bow. These are people who swear they and they alone know what normal average people really want. We stupid mm-hmm. liberals don't understand the, the the average Hispanic in Florida wants ABC. And like, wait a minute, you guys didn't even know your own base was crazy. <laughs> Until your base threw you out of your party. Right. And the right. first thing you did when you landed on your fat ass and came over to our house and said, can we crash here? Is complain about the furniture, complain about our, our food, and start telling us how to run things and telling us we don't understand what people really want. We're conser- we, we conservatives who swear we had no idea. Tom Nichols swears he had no idea the Republican Party had lost its mind until he quit in 2018. Um has the fucking nerve to tell us we don't understand average people. Uh-huh. We don't understand what normal people want. And that's why they got swept into the MSNBC universe. And and liberals simply never never did and never will because they are always out shopping for the Blumhouse pundits, mm-hmm. for the people mm-hmm. who, will, who will tell their audience, sure, Trump is bad, but liberals are bad too. And liberals and, and their cancel culture and, and, and the, the squad – and, and the Bernie M&Ms. Sanders and the M&Ms and they're all their socialism and all this crazy voting rights stuff they want. That's all crazy. And Democrats, and I've, I've heard every fucking never Trumper say this, Democrats, you have one job and you save the country and all this other stuff is just bullshit. Fuck you for telling Democrats we have one job. You're not a goddamn Democrat. Right. You hate Democrats. You've hated, you've, you've built your life around hating Democrats. And now you have the fucking audacity to come into my house and tell my party that we have one job and that and we're failing at it. And you should just shut up and do what we tell you to do. I don't listen to people who've spent their entire life stabbing me in the back. Mm-hmm. I, I don't trust you. I think that you're stranded out here in the middle of nowhere. You know, you're the, you're the well, lonely Your analogy ass- of the, the Russian, the Russian czar. And yeah, Russian aristocrats bossing people around in their fur coats uh, when they've lost everything. Yeah, and Is, it's over. <laughs> they really are. They are Russian yeah. aristocrats yeah. who they're yeah. the serfs ran them out of their own country, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. here they are in our country bossing us around, telling us what to do and why we're not doing it the way they like it, and why don't you cook food the way we like it? And fuck you. Mm-hmm. You, we saved you. You owe us. Right. We're your the life is, crazy your, party. Your life is whole because we gave you a roof. <laughs> and so here's a thought. Spend 80% of your time 
saying Democrats are doing a pretty good job. Joe Biden's doing a pretty good job. You know, we have this boom that we have. I don't know if you noticed this, but there's an employment problem. It's There's too many jobs now. Mm-hmm. And, and if you spent just a little more time explaining to people, the people who do listen to you, because you have a big audience, because they the MSNBC megaphone people, the NBC megaphone people wanted people like advertising. you. advertising, yep. If you spent 80% of your time not bitching about Democrats, um, I'm going to just jump ahead in our notes here just a little bit. Uh, do you mind? No. I wrote a post this week called the Renegligans. <laughs> uh, because there's, there's a phrase that you all need to know called negging which most of you know, we've probably talked about it before. It's uh, from the Urban Dictionary. It's low-grade insults meant to undermine the self-confidence of a woman so she might be more vulnerable to your advances. How, do, how does that ever work? <laughs> this is something that no decent guy would ever do. You know, you, you break down someone's self-confidence by constantly insulting them and then saying, well, maybe I'll date you. I guess I could sleep with you, I suppose. Maybe I, you, oh, I'm so grateful that you're, this person who's been insulting me for years is paying attention to me now. Wow. Yes, yes. And I took just one catchphrase from this vast lexicon of insulting Democrats constantly mm-hmm. um, and traced its usage for a very brief period of time between Rick Wilson and Tom Nichols on Twitter. If I may. Go right ahead. Rick Wilson. As I like to say, they're holo- they're holistically bad at politics. Tom Nichols, since Democrats are holistic- holistically bad at this, I won't miss it. Rick Wilson, if Democrats didn't holistically suck at politics, they would blah, blah, blah. Tom Nichols, they're holistically bad at politics. Rick Wilson, just a reminder why Democrats are holistically terrible at politics. Tom Nichols, another edition of Democrats being holistically bad at politics. It goes on. And on and What is on holistically? And, Why are they Democrats, using that word? Democrats are horrible at everything. Uh-huh. Democrats are suck, suck at everything. I would like to know the last election Rick Wilson won. Because mm-hmm. he certainly blew his ass out uh, in 2020. In 2020. Yes, he did. We were promised, oh, we were going to take down Lindsey Graham and Susan Collins. Oh, they wouldn't stand a chance with the Lincoln lads and their $67 million war chest and their ability to make videos. Democrats don't know how to fight. And they fucked everything up. They got people who would never stood a chance elected, reelected, out of spite. I swear, if if you just tracked their record, they're great at getting Republicans reelected. So Rick Wilson sucks at getting Democrats elected. <laughs> He's terrible at it. Tom Nichols is sucks at knowing what Democrats think, but they are out there every single fucking day telling Democrats you're terrible, you suck, you stink, you're dumb. You're, you're clueless. Why don't you listen to us? Um, um, Charlie Sykes, I swear, went through 10,000 resumes and found one liberal who agrees with everything Charlie Sykes says about Democrats. And then he put him on a podcast this week. Mm-hmm. Talk about how Democrats are stupid and Democrats are bad and Democrats don't understand anything. And Democrats need to stop talking about this and stop worrying about voting rights and blah, 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 blah. And I wouldn't care. But for the enormous microphone these people are given by the liberal news. And if you want to know why people are feeling a little bit bad about Democrats, I got to believe it's because, at least partially, because our allies will not shut the fuck up about how terrible we are. Anyway, I'll climb off my po- my, my soapbox now. <laughs> I just want to talk for a moment about the MAGA lottery. Yes. Um, because this came to me this week, and I'm sure other people have talked about it before. Um 
people behaving badly at restaurants or coffee shops over masks or vaccine mandates or shouting in the streets about, you know, shouting at school board meetings about their students or teachers or CRT or whatever. Mm -hmm. And this week, for some reason, I saw one of these videos and I realized, oh, this woman wants to be on Hannity. And I hadn't quite thought of it that way before. I know other people probably have. But that dream of appearing on Fox as a hero of freedom mm -hmm. is held out, I think, to a great many Republican losers. Losers, right. I, mm -hmm. I was going to say voters, but I don't even think that's the case. No. Um, you know, bad behavior for freedom leads to the possibility of Fox News fame. And they have on these plain folks on a regular basis who made some viral moment because they stood up to tyranny, quote unquote. Right. Mm -hmm. um, gives them their, their 15 seconds of fame. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've got that otherwise completely unimportant life where you will never make a dent in human history, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that that's a draw. And that's a reason to behave like that on camera. Uh, and, and I think it's interesting to put January 6th in that light, too, how, how many people were filming themselves as heroes. Right. And expecting to be on Fox or on OAN or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> As I as I have said several times on Twitter, you know, Laura Ingram is not going to date you. No, no, <laughs> that that store is closed. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and but that's the dream is Tommy Laren will notice me. You know, yeah. well, no, she won't. Um, so I, I just wanted to throw that out there. I'd be interested to hear what other people think about that. You, you know, that is you know, that is a motivator. That is the only motivator for behaving that way on camera. You know, Sean, I just happened to be there at the right time when. Uh, <laughs> When the tyranny, when the tyranny broke out, the there was tyranny a tyranny broke out at the, at the library, library. And that little four foot librarian told me I had to wear a mask. Uh, she, yeah. she, was, she was all a four foot tall, tough, tough, uh, tyrant woman, uh, <laughs> uh, insisted I wear a mask. Uh, yeah. and I told her, no, I'm a free man in America and I'm white and I'm and free. She threw me out. And she threw, she threw me and my <laughs> child out, my poor child who now has, this is the face of tyranny, son. Yeah. Right. And, uh, right. and I cried, I admit, I cried like a good, uh, patriot. Mm -hmm. uh, because mm -hmm. there's no other places in America. First of all, I, I don't understand books at all, but I wanted to go to the library <laughs> to test my freedom. Test my and freedom. Yet, and there's tyranny everywhere. And Sean's just sitting there jerking off, nodding his head, you know, smoking yeah. a cigarette. Yeah, that's great. Oh my God. Yeah, you certainly were oppressed. You're you're, you're a working class hero. That's for mm -hmm. sure. Yes, yes. And that's who they are. <laughs> and that's this is who this this is. I'm sure for a lot of people out there, I'm not unique in this. The exhausting thing is, is that the the bad guys in this drama are so stupid, yeah. are so bad at being everything, are so irretrievably stupid, dumb. They're just, they're anthracite. You cannot get through to them. It doesn't matter what you say or do. And that didn't come cheap. That took a very sophisticated media and political machine about 30 or 40 years to build a base that is this intractably stupid and to beat the mainstream media press to their knees to the point where they just don't even talk about it. Mm -hmm. They will not talk about the 50 Republicans who, who hate democracy in, in the Senate. They will obsess over why Joe Biden can't convince two people who are Democrats to vote for voting rights. No, no, it's not two, two Democrats. It's two Democrats and every person in the Republican Party. 
And if the story, once the story stopped being the Republican Party is evil, the Republican Party is crazy, the Republican Party is the enemy of democracy, it's game over. Mm-hmm. Because there's no other story outside of that universe other than, well, it must be both sides then. If it's not just one party, then it must be both parties, right? So let's talk about what Joe Biden, you know, why is Joe Biden's economic boom his Katrina, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And and let's get a lot of people who write stuff like that um, on our staff. I, I ran across uh, New York Times John McWhorter this week. I was barely aware that he existed. He's one of those minor New York pundits um, who I don't care about. He found his lane bitching about the horrors of imaginary liberal wokeness and how anti-racism is the real racism. Uh, And he rarely leaves that lane. And this week, he used his Times column to provisionally acknowledge that there might be some naughty stuff going on over at the Burning Books Party as well. But of course, he had to both sides it. Um, This is a quote from John McWhorter. I'm genuinely open to the idea that censorship from the right is more of a problem than I've acknowledged. Our problem today is illiberalism on both sides. Uh, Twitter did its thing, dragged him for the uh, ivory tower fop that he is. And um, up at his very high tower, the New York Times academic punditry, he responded to Twitter and said, and I might note that the sour, cynical Twitterverse response to this one from some quarters leaves me quite unmoved. Because Mm. why would he move? Why would he change his mind? He has no stake in any of this. The mob is never going to come for him. This is not going to, you know, the, the worst thing that's going to happen to him is, is some student's going to give him a bad review at Columbia College or Columbia University where he teaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is another example of, I really want there to be something, this the antonym of cancel culture. Mm-hmm. A place mm-hmm. where you doesn't matter how shitty your opinion is and how wrong you are, you can never be fired. Well, uh, I wrote a post this week about a Republican office holder in New Hampshire who introduced a constitutional amendment to have New Hampshire declare its independence from the United States. Yay. <laughs> and and this is going you you hear this now and you're going to hear it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, talks of civil war and talks of seceding and so forth. And I just refer you to my post on this about this New Hampshire man from this week. New Hampshire as of the latest statistics has 19,032 citizens who receive Social Security benefits. Mm-hmm. There are 74 nursing homes in New Hampshire that accept Medicaid. And most nursing homes throughout the country depend on federal funds for over 50% of their funding. In 2019, there were 93,866 veterans in New Hampshire. U.S. veterans, by the way eligible for benefits from the U.S. Department of Defense, the United States Department of Defense, United States. You know, uh, where you but live. But here's this libertarian right-wing jagoff who thinks New Hampshire should secede from the Union because of sovereignty, as he put it. Mike Sylvia, Republican, of course, state rep, Mike Sylvia, Some believe that the question of independence has been settled. If so, then our state's sovereignty has been stolen. And so I wrote, if you secede, Mike, are you going to pick up the tab for the Navy base whose mailing address is in Portsmouth, New Hampshire? No. I want to keep that. (laughs) This this Navy base is on the main New Hampshire border, you know, on the Atlantic. Uh-huh. And the mailing address is Portsmouth, and certain facilities are in Maine, but it's right there. Um, so whenever some right-wing dimwit talks about secession, 
Ask them about the military bases. Yeah. Ask them about the Social Security recipients. Ask them about the Medicaid-dependent nursing homes. And ask them where they personally are going to get the money to pay for their quote-unquote sovereignty. Don't let them pretend, I paid into Social Security my whole life, it's mine, and I'll sue. Nope. Nope. Sorry. Who are you going to sue, and where are you going to sue, Mike? In what, in what federal court? court? In- You're going to go to federal court? You're a foreigner because you seceded from the union. You'll have to invent your own currency, like, you know, Confederate money, which is <laughs> yes. which is not valuable. <laughs> see, what, as... see what that's worth to the nursing home with your mother stays. And then pay for all the shit and yeah. then make arrangements uh, very much. So what you're talking about is Brexiting from the United States right. all by yourself uh, with no. Uh, so you'd have borders and you'd have border checks and passports, I'm guessing. Um, well, this hilarious statement from Ted Cruz about mm-hmm. we're going to keep NASA and the oil rigs. No, you won't. You don't get any. You're gone. You lose. <laughs> Everything's you lose, gone. No. You lose. No, we're moving all that federal shit, all right. that United States government federal shit. You don't get any of it. Nope. You you quit. You left. You Bye. left. Bye now. You there, know, are 60, there are 62,000 nursing home patients dependent on Medicaid in Texas. Hey. you know, here's a roof t- over their head and a clean diaper. Here, here is your senator. Uh, yeah. I guess he'll be your president or your prime minister or whatever he'll be uh, yeah. in the new government. Call him. He, 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 you guys elected him. Yeah. Um, so enjoy your your <laughs> the Ted Cruz age of Cruz down in Texas. Um, I hope you're you've already disconnected your power grid from ours, which I, we really appreciate. <laughs> and, well, um, and and watch out for immigration laws because we're going to build a wall around New oh, Hampshire. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> Nobody from Texas is getting out. I mean, no. there's a few. There's a few of them. We're going to get citizenship. We definitely want to let, yeah. let, you know. But yeah, our our angel nerd lives in Texas, and she gets yes. dual citizenship. You know, the cool <laughs> people get dual citizenship, but the rest of these assholes, no, 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 no more for you. Uh-uh. and we'll just do without visiting Texas. I suppose I've done it without my whole life, and I'll just have Something to. Something tells me Mike Sylvia has not thought any of this through. Well, why would he? Yeah. I mean, there it's are a good people. Speech, right? There are people in our state who want you know to secede and separate oh, and make from Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, like, because then you, then Illinois will be white. That's yeah. what they want. They want, want a white, white state to live in. Well, they can move to Iowa. <laughs> right? Can we be more like Missouri? Yeah, you, yeah, okay. I suppose if you want to, I don't want to. I don't think a lot of people want to move uh, a century and a half back in terms of progress and economy and technology but if you want to that's great you go you know live on the porch and yeah and the good democrats of missouri like mm-hmm. my colleague heather crooks and liars yeah you know they can come they can have dual citizenship perfectly okay <laughs> you're more than welcome we'll be like your canada you know you can come up here anytime you want we welcome you up here if you want to live up here that's great if you like it down there that's fine um uh, but we don't want your filthy neighbors to come up here because they're all they're all they're monsters. They elect monsters. They're happy with monsters representing them. They're clearly, you know, inbred morons who are. Well, no, thrilled. I don't think they're inbred morons. I think they're white nationalists. I I really think calling them stupid and calling them names is fun. But what's going on is a terror. They are terrified of a non-white leadership in this country and they want to ensure white leadership what why are they terrified of it blue gal well because they think that black people are going to treat them the way they treat black people is that likely what's going to happen no 
then are they then therefore stupid? <laughs> I think they're being governed by fear and I racism. Think, I think fear makes and, you stupid and stupid yeah, okay. makes you afraid. You can say so, racist or stupid. I get it. Yeah. But I think racism is the enemy here. That's, I think racism is wrong, Blue Gal. I don't know why you, you're defending <laughs> these racists on this show. Maybe you and John McWhorter want to get a room. I don't know. I'm standing up for America. I don't know where the hell you think you live. All right. Why don't you do your uh, no labels? I told you so dance now, Drift Clan. Okay. I will do my <laughs> clear the dance floor. I'm a very tall guy with very big feet and I have no natural ability to dance. So this is going to be awkward and, and, and unpleasant to watch. But <laughs> this week, uh, people suddenly noticed that no labels or the no labels organization are fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they're Republicans. They're a bunch of right leaning, you know, goobers with a lot of money. Uh, they are basically Joe Lieberman and David Brooks's wet dream come true. Uh, and this week they came out with a bold um, campaign to take down the opponents of Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin. Yeah, by um, by doing what drift glass by putting up posters on their <laughs> on their website. <laughs> Saying your choice, and in black and white, some guy cynical, and Kristen Cinema in bright colors, courageous, courageous. Ruben Gallego. Gallego? I, you might be right. I, I, I can't say for sure. Um, and the other poster was, uh, um, uh, Joe Manchin. uh, It was Joe Manchin on one side and Bernie Sanders on the other. Partisan, pragmatic, pragmatic is better. And you no, know, so you're you're saying that basically the entire Democratic Party is wrong, and these two assholes who are bone in the throat of democracy are right because no labels, as I wrote, literally two days after they were chartered back in 2010, he said. Now reading from his post from December 15th of 2010, entitled "Dead Center," political cowardice now has its own movement, mm-hmm. and this is who they were. They were always going to be this this was going to be um let's see yep it was mark penn nancy jacobson mm-hmm. uh, uh joe scarborough and it was it was this it was just a sleazy bunch of beltway centrist both siderists who are who who right after barack obama gets elected suddenly decides <laughs> That the extremes on both sides yeah. are are just crazy. There's, there's Barack Obama, who's clearly a Kenyan usurping socialist who wants to kill your white grandmother. And then there's the Tea Party, who might seem a little extreme. You know, the crazy racist lunatics who were screaming about, about, the, about the... So we need a centrist party. We need a centrist movement. And it really is the well, kind of... this was the Bush-off machine, too, that you talked oh, yeah. about. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. This, this is a variation of the Bush-off machine. These are people who... Were were you know right down the line bushies right down the and they they couldn't acknowledge that the right was the problem and they couldn't acknowledge that the Tea Party was a was a mob of racists mm-hmm. and they couldn't acknowledge that Barack Obama was actually kind of a center right Eisenhower Republican mm-hmm. and so they they needed to preserve this is again the Blumhouse thing they needed to preserve this fantasy that there's this vast unrepresented middle full of pragmatic problem solvers who just want to solve problems and do process things. And this was Barack Obama's whole campaign. This was exactly what he campaigned on. I don't care who who gets credit for what. I don't need my name on anything. We just want to solve problems with the people across the aisle. And the people across the aisle said, fuck you, you scary black monster. We're going to destroy your presidency at any cost. 
And the people at No Label said, ooh, seems like both sides of this argument are pretty extreme. <laughs> we better form a little pile in the middle called the No Labels people who will mm-hmm. be like the problem solvers. Mm-hmm. And they have accomplished nothing in the 12 years they've existed. Except they've started labeling people at No Except Labels. they started labeling people now. <laughs> yes. As, some, as many, many people pointed out on Twitter. So the No Labels people are labeling people now. Mm-hmm. How interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a scam. It's a grift. It, and I and because I had been writing about politics long enough and the media long enough, you could smell the grift coming off these people. You could smell what it was. It was just the monetization of the David Brooks, Joe Lieberman, third way, third party, the extremes on both sides of the problem, bullshit that dominates um, the mainstream media and dominates Washington think tanks. Let's, how can we make money off of this? And they created this shit, shitty scam called No Labels, which is still going and makes a lot of money and runs campaigns about you know the, the, the noble center. And it has spawned, and, and you know they were successful in their own little world because every time a Republican gets kicked out of the Republican Party or leaves the Republican Party or is run out of the Republican Party, like Adam Kinzinger, suddenly they decide it's time to start their own movement. Right. Maybe some sort of third way sort of country third way over party action committee. Right. Yeah, let's right. not talk about partisanship or politics <laughs> or who's right or wrong. Let's just solve problems. And and because they've all discovered there are there's a small number of extremely ignorant rich people who desperately want to believe that there's a big center out there full of pragmatic people who have no political ties to any anybody. And that there's a it's a money, it's a money pit, it's a money hole, it's a money mine. And all you got to do is, is is drill your shaft into this big pile of stupid rich people, and you can make it. You can make a fortune of this. Is what Matthew Dowd was doing before he decided to become a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is what Adam, as I said, Adam Kinzinger has this this same movement. Um, David Jolly has his own movement. Charlie Sykes has his own movement, and they're all the same fucking movement. And it's all the extremes on both sides are terrible. We need to find the pragmatic centrists. And then we're going to magically turn both parties into um, irrelevancies because we are going to solve all the problems. Mm-hmm. And it has mm-hmm. never worked. It will never work. But it's enough stupid people in the country with enough money to keep funding these idiots. And my only claim to fame is that I saw this coming two days after they were chartered. Absolutely. And, and, and years now later, you can smell these movements coming. Oh, yeah. Mile away. And you yeah. and I have talked about the Purple Project. The Purple and the Project. Third Way Project. And then blah, there's, there's as soon a as you see it, as soon as you see it, you know it now. Yeah. It's just it's the desperate attempt to cash in on Schultzberger style money yeah. of both siderism from Republicans. That's what it is. Yeah. And, it, and hey, drift it, class. Yeah, Bluegale. You want to do a news roundup? I'd love to do a news roundup with you. Okay. Senate Republicans blocked voting rights legislation for the fifth time. And then Democrats failed to unite because of two people Mm -hmm. uh, behind changing the Senate's filibuster rules to pass it anyway, despite all 50 Democrats supporting the voting rights bill. First, Democrats fell 10 votes short of the 60 needed to break the Republican filibuster. Mm -hmm. Then Democrats Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema joined with Republicans in rejecting an effort to reinstate the talking filibuster, which would have allowed the elections legislation to pass by simple majority vote. We need to elect three or more more senators to eliminate cinema and mansion from having any say in these things anymore. 
You mean Joe Manchin, the pragmatist, and Kristen no. Sinema, the, the, no. the principled person? <laughs> nope. Yeah. Sinema's um, in really bad shape, by the way, well, in Arizona. Uh, yeah. Okay. I, that's, it's a few years till anyone could do anything about it. Two, two years. She's, she's up in 2024. Mm-hmm. And she may not run. She may just go and cash in, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't, I would, if I were her, well, if yeah. I were her, I'd hate myself every day for the rest of my life. But <laughs> um, yeah, cash in. I don't think there's any risk of Kirsten Cinema hating herself. No, 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 she loves herself too much to ever hate herself. Right. Uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said that the U.S. offered Russia a, quote, serious diplomatic path forward to de-escalating military threats against Ukraine. The seven-day average of COVID-19 deaths reached 2,188 a day, the highest level since February of 2021, and up about 1,000 per day from two months ago. That's Omicron. Omicron infections, however, are resulting in fewer hospitalizations than during the Delta wave in the fall. Pfizer, meanwhile, has begun a clinical trial to evaluate a new Omicron-specific vaccine. I tell you, an age of miracles, honey. Mm-hmm. Um, federal prosecutors are reviewing the fake Electoral College certifications that declared Trump the winner of states that he lost. Those certificates contain the signatures of Trump supporters who falsely claimed to be the right electors in Georgia, Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Nevada, and New Mexico, all states that Biden won. The attorney generals in at least two of the seven states, Michigan and New Mexico, say they have referred investigations to federal prosecutors. There's gonna, and, and several of these fake electors videotaped themselves signing it. Mm-hmm. We talked about that last week. There'll be a lot more M M&M and M scandals showing up on Fox <laughs> News. M and M, more M and M scandals. People start, start trial. Start. Yeah. Minnie Mouse wore a pantsuit. Oh my god. Oh my god. Right. Just like Hillary. A draft executive order prepared for Donald Trump would have authorized the Secretary of Defense to have National Guard troops seize voting machines mm-hmm. following the 2020 election and release an assessment 60 days later, well after Trump was set to leave office. Additionally, the draft order dated December 16th, 2020, but never signed by Trump, would have appointed a special counsel to, quote, institute all criminal and civil proceedings as appropriate based on the evidence, quote unquote, collected. The document was titled Remarks on National Healing. Let that sink in. Yeah. And and was part of a trove of documents released by the National Archives to the committee, to the J6 committee, after the Supreme Court ruled against Trump's claim of executive privilege. Yeah. He and and uh, uh, Jamie Raskin was on in the past twenty four hours saying, "Oh, Trump knew it was a coup." Of course he did. You know, of course he, knew he what did. He's doing. Um, speaking of Donald Trump, Trump called it very, very unfair that the House Select Committee investigating the January sixth riot has asked Ivanka Trump to sit for an interview. It's very unfair situation for my children. Trump said, evidencing concern for his children for the first time in his life. <laughs> It's a disgrace what's going on. They'll go after children. These are adults who were unpaid, unvetted White House staff, White House advisors. Profiting from being in the White House. In the millions off of this. These were not fucking children. These were were criminal Mm co-conspirators. Michael Cohen, meanwhile, said Trump told him in 2012 that if one of his kids had to go to prison over family business to, quote, make sure it was Trump Jr. and not Ivanka. (laughs) Look, I know one of them's got to go. Not okay? my girlfriend, I Ivanka. I, Not, I mean, so daughter. Lovely. I mean. Just don't let her go to jail, Michael. Put everyone else in jail. I just, I, it is, it is astonishing to me. The degree of denial 
the average moron Republican voter has to constantly exist in to pretend that none of this is going on. M&M's, Drift Glass, M&M's. Lots of M&M's. Yeah. Going to hear a lot more about out-of-wed pregnancies among M&M's. M&M's and go-go boots. Where are my go-go boots? Because Nancy Sinatra was hot the last time I got a chubby. She was so hot. Mm -hmm. Ah. The Arizona Democratic Party censured Senator Kristen Sinema as a result of her failure to do whatever it takes to ensure the health of our democracy. Way to go, Arizona. Uh, The McMinn... County School Board in Tennessee just voted to ban Mouse, a Pulitzer Prize-winning graphic novel about the Holocaust. The vote to ban it was 10 to 0. That's the home of Senator Marsha Blackburn. Marsha Blackburn, who I had to walk away from yesterday. Yeah. Because it makes me physically ill to hear her talk. Yep. And she's talking about nothing. Oh, no. She, she's got to talk about China communism bad. Uh a Mississippi mayor is withholding $110,000 from the local library because it offers some LBGTQ books. When the librarian objected, the mayor responded that the library can serve whoever we wanted, but that he only serves the great Lord above. That would be Donald Trump. <laughs> yes, it um, would. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, in Mississippi, something cool happened. Uh, school bus drivers went on strike for one hour and secured a pay increase of $5 an hour. Good for them. I'm telling you, strikes. Well, there, hey. were, there was some there was some disparity between their already low salary and emergency salaries. They were going to pay former bus drivers to come in because they have they don't have enough bus drivers, right? And right. The, the drivers said, "Wait a minute! It, if they're doing the same job, they deserve the same pay." Yeah, and they yeah. threatened to go on struck for like an hour, and everybody said, "You know what? You're right." And yep. collective action in a righteous cause can move. It mountains. works, and it's mm-hmm. working more and more because the job market is that way. He's speaking of collective actions. Didn't Dan Bagino have a collective action happen to he him this week? He got permanently banned from YouTube, Drift Glass. Oh, That's no. That's going to cost him some serious money. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Um, and speaking of social media sites, they can have Joe Rogan or young Neil Young wrote in a letter to his manager and label. Not both. Young demands Spotify remove his music over the, quote, false information about vaccines. And goddamn good for him. And Jerry Falwell you, Jr. and his wife now admit the whole evangelical power couple thing was an act. Because of my last name, people think I'm a religious person, but I'm not, Falwell told Vanity Fair magazine. We had to put on an act, his wife added. Show of hands of people who were never fooled by the Falwell Act. Seriously. Show of, people, show of hands of people who sent money and their children to Liberty University because they're that fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, COVID positive Sarah Palin has now dined al fresco on the Upper East Side two nights in a row. After eating at Campagnola Tuesday, she returned to Elio's last night, where she reportedly flouted the city's anti-vax mandate this weekend. From Keith Olbermann on the occasion of MSNBC's announcement that they would be adding yet another hour to Joe Scarborough's three-hour morning show. We're going to have four hours of morning, Joe? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. What you are witnessing, said Keith Oberman, is in real time is the neutralizing of MSNBC and a return to its previous failed emphasis on quote unquote balanced news, plus another hour of Franz von Papen Scarborough, who desperately normalized Trump in 2015-16 by whoring himself out in a bid to become VP. And 
I'm not sure about that last little part. I'm not sure about that last little part. But I think I do he wanted know, to keep his his uh, relationship with Mika quiet. I do know that uh, that Joe Scarborough and everyone else working at MSNBC has mysteriously forgotten everything prior to 2016 because mm-hmm. Joe Scarborough was one of Donald Trump's biggest boosters. Yep. Had him on a show. And I've got the receipts him. to prove it. You've Let got, him, and, once a month, once a month had him phone in on a and, schedule. Yep. And helped coach him on his first speech in front of Congress. Yeah. Went to Congress as a guest, applauded right. his speech during that. And suddenly Joe Scarborough forgot all about that. When but he's became... screaming. He is screaming at people who have forgotten how bad Trump was. Yeah. yeah. Because, <laughs> now he's because... now he's allowed to scream at them. Yes. And, and now he can scream at them for four hours instead of three. Right. Uh, now, in local news... Um, this is from the Indispensable Capital Facts, Rich Miller and the Capital Facts, which is a wonderful source of local news at, Cap- at the capital city. A study has found that big Chicago youth homicide spikes were due, at least in part, to Bruce Rauner's budget impasse. Mm. This is from a Northwestern University press release. In 2016, homicides among Chicagoans aged 15 to 24 drastically spiked Then in 2017, youth homicides boomeranged back to lower pre-2015 levels. One likely contributor to this is the two-year pause in state funding, reports a new Northwestern University study. Starting July 1st, 2015, the state of Illinois underwent a two-year budget impasse, the longest standstill of its kind in the state's history. During that time, funding was cut for state programs that serve Chicago's most vulnerable populations. This includes after-school programs, recreational leagues, summer job programs, social services, and counseling. When the state came back to its budget impasse in 2015 and the budgets were really cut, the staff was laid off and services were closed, it temporarily correlates with the big uptick in youth homicide, said corresponding study author Marianne Mason, associate professor of emergency medicine at Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine. Then when the budget was reinstated in 2017, you can see the big decline in homicides. So if you'd like to secede from the state, secede from Chicago, because Chicago is so violent, remember, a big contributing cause was Governor Bruce fucking Rauner and his Republican Bruce Rauner, who decided he would go to war with unions. Mm -hmm. he he, He would keep his campaign promise to break the unions. By simply not having a budget for a couple of years and forcing them to do his bidding. That's where you and need to lay. And that led to more murders in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Sure did. It sure did. Uh, and also from the AP, uh, more out-of-state women are coming to Illinois for abortions. Big surprise there. Uh-huh. The number of women from out-of-state who've come to Illinois to have an abortion is climbing. As a neighboring states enact increasingly stringent abortion laws, Illinois has seen a significant rise in the number of women who have come to the state for abortions. According to the most recent Illinois Department of Public Health data available, nearly 9,700 out-of-state women terminated a pregnancy in Illinois in 2020, compared to just over 7,500 in 2019. That's still really high, and that is because of Indiana, I'm pretty sure. Yep, Um. Advocates on both sides of the debate over abortion said the increase was expected in large part because nearby states and actually every state surrounding Illinois has been enacting new laws to make it more difficult to have an abortion and to put more regulations on clinics. These numbers could climb even higher depending on what the U.S. Supreme Court decides on one of the most significant abortion cases in years, that of Dobbs v. Jackson, 
a Mississippi law that prohibits abortion past 15 weeks gestation. If the court upholds the law, something many experts expect to happen, it could determine the fate of Roe v. Wade, the 1973 case that established the right to terminate a pregnancy nationwide. That would leave abortion rights up to the states. And with experts predicting about half the country would ban or significantly restrict abortion, including all of those adjacent to Illinois, as I said, it could drive the numbers in the state far higher. Yeah, that's, you know, and if that doesn't get people out to vote. If, I don't if, know what will. If a, nat- yeah. if a national rollback by conservative Republicans who've been stuck on that court for years to do just this one thing of a basic human right, basic medical service for women, for over half the people in this country, doesn't get people out to vote the assholes out of office. I don't know what will. Um, now, today we've added a special feature called Writer's Corner. <laughs> uh, this is because whenever a friend of mine is feeling inadequate as a writer, she reminds herself that this woman is a published author on Amazon, and here is one of her books. Uh, and this, I, I, if I start laughing, I'm sorry, because this just cracked me up. This is an actual book on Amazon. This is, this is, these are two actual books on Amazon okay. by the same author. Uh, she was supposed to cure the coronavirus. Instead, she fell in love with it. Dr. Alexa Ashingcrofton Ford, which is the actual name of the person, is part of a crack team of scientists tasked with finding the cure to the devastating coronavirus. Little did she know she would end up falling in love with it in this steamy viral erotica. Kissing coronavirus is a steamy tale about forbidden love and the dark desires come to life. The book is by MJ Edwards. It's her debut attempt, and it is her effort to try to pay the bills following her job loss. And apparently it was successful enough that she published a follow-up novel. What's the only thing sexier than sex? Power! Bethany Boyker just cannot find good sex. She's tried everything. Or should that be everyone? But there's nobody out there who pushes her buttons, flexing their incredible displays of power in the way that gets her juices flowing, so to speak. That is, until she reads the president's Twitter feed. Then, Beth figures out exactly how to get her juices flowing. Penetrated by the president's Twitter feed is the follow-up to MJ Edwards' smash hit debut, Kissing the Coronavirus. Follow her on Twitter at MJ Edwards Author. And I conclude with, there's a valuable lesson here for us all. (laughs) I just can't believe these are real. But you say they are. They're on Amazon. You can order them. They have book covers. I don't know if they're real or not, but they made me smile harder than anything has made me smile in a very long time. The whole time. week, I know. I'm I know. like, you know what? I'm sitting here with writer's block. I can't think of a goddamn thing to write. And I go, <laughs> you know what? She got I, paid to write this. I can just write <laughs> anything. I can yeah. write any goddamn thing I want. And, True. and And you know what? Maybe I'm not so inadequate as a writer. <laughs> Each week, we post to our Facebook page and website an Internet Kitty sent in by you, the listeners. This week's Internet Kitty is Lucy. Lucy is a 16-year-old, all-white beauty of a cat. She's also a lap kitty. And, of course, Lucy eats freshly poured cat food, our fake sponsor. Whether you serve pet store perfection or dollar store dreck, your cats will sit on the kitchen floor and demand that the food they eat is only freshly poured. Freshly poured. Freshly poured. Oh, my Lord, it's freshly poured. You can visit Lucy at our Facebook page or website, and you can send your Internet Kitty dog or other pet to us at our email address, proleftpodcast at gmail.com, where you can also write to both of us. Feel free to write us. We love hearing from you. 
Be aware that if you write us at any of our addresses, we reserve the right to read your email or U.S. Postal Service Go Postal Unions letter on the air unless you say otherwise. Hashtag jail to joy. Don't forget our gourmet coffee guideline. If you can afford to buy an espresso-based beverage for yourself, buy one for us. This is not charity. This is our job, and we love our job. Approximately 1% of our listeners support this podcast with a contribution, and you can too. See our website, proleftpod.com, for details. Both our PayPal and postal address information is there at proleftpod.com. Please share our show on social media. And if you love this podcast, please get someone else to listen to. And thank you for doing that. Hey, Drift Class, how are the Internet Kitties doing this week? Well, Blue Gal, the Internet Kitties would like to announce that their debut novel, Humping Chuck Todd's Hairpiece, drops next week. Shelley Von Windsor Singh Tunforth believed nothing could satisfy her in that way. And then, one Sunday morning. Hey, let's think about living. Think about living. Let's think about loving. Think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the popping and the loving, loving, loving. Let's forget about the wine and the crying, the shooting and the dying, and the fellow with a switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. The Professional Left Podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license. Copyright 2022. DGBG Productions Incorporated.